Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. Today, my guest is Catherine Birchwood. Now, Catherine spent 20 years in the corporate world, and after realizing that she was never going to be able to win over the gender pay gap, decided that she wanted her own independence and freedom and found a way to repurpose her skills and talents into, you know, a, a stream of income of her own. And now she is a, on a mission, basically to help women find their way out of soul-sucking jobs to create an authentic income stream that works for them. So welcome, Catherine. Thank you. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I am excited to talk about this topic because... I feel like there are so many of us that get to this point in life where, you know, we've been working the same job or maybe in the same industry for many, many years, and it's just no longer satisfying for us. And, you know, we feel like we just drag ourselves in and we go through the motions day after day, knowing that we want something different, but having no clue to figure out like what. And so we kind of resign ourselves to the fact that, okay, I guess this is it <laughs> until somebody hands us a little retirement package and then what, right? But you, your mission, and this is why I'm so excited to have this conversation. Your mission is really showing women that they have other options. Yes. Yes. And I have to say that those little retirement packages are going the way of the dodo. We're yes. all on our own. <laughs> Yeah, well, this is true. This is so true, right? Like there was a time I think where you could rely on getting, you know, a nice cushy retirement package, but every year those get less and less. Yes, they do. And this is one of the things that I think a lot of women, we know it, but we don't really like to think about it. Aside from the gender pay gap, we are suffering financially on multiple fronts. We, yes, we get paid less. Secondly, we spend less time in the workforce because we have children and family obligations. And third, when you get to the end of your working life and you realize that you have less savings. So we're always on the short end of the financial stick. And that's why I think it is more important for women to be in control of their income. Because once you leave it to someone else to pay you, you're not going to get a fair deal. The only person who's going to pay you fairly is yourself. That's mm-hmm. the way I think it. Wow. Yeah, that's really, really powerful because I think too, we have a sense that it is out of our control. It's not. And that's, I think that is what people would like us to think because that's a way for them to control us, right? You're going to sit in that job because you don't think you can do anything else. But once you realize that, hey, I can do something else, you're going to find a way because you're not going to sit in an unhappy situation when you realize that you have the power to get yourself out of it. At least most people don't. It all depends on how badly you want out. So tell us a little bit about your own story and how you kind of came to this realization that you could, that you did have options and that you could choose something different. Well, my story started with the wrong profession, I have to say. (laughs) I started out in accounting, which I was completely ill-suited for. I am a letters and words person, and I'm not suited for a numbers profession. 
But, you know, it was what my father thought would be a good idea for me to do. He felt I had the head. Yes, I have an organized way of thinking, but that doesn't mean that I want to do the same thing over and over every month. That's the problem. (laughs) And so once I decided, you know what, I've had it with this. It's time for me to do something else. Things just happen. And this is one of the takeaways that I want your listeners to understand. It starts with making a decision. If you do not make a decision that you, about what you want, you're going to be stuck forever. You don't have to know how you're going to get it. You just have to decide that, okay, this is what I want and this is what I'm going to go after. And in my experience, every time I've done that, something has come along, something has opened up, you get an email, you see a job posting, you see something and you get what you want. But if you sit stuck, sorry, nothing happens. I love that so much. And before we go on with your story, I just want to interject that we underestimate the power of making a decision, right? Mm-hmm. And you might call it setting an intention or yes. you know, making a decision or like whatever the, the words are, yes. but actually committing to, you know, and so I heard this the other day where somebody said, there's a lot, a lot of talk about intention setting and decision-making and it's like, oh, I've made the decision, but When you make a decision and you're actually committing to that thing, as opposed to, it's easy to say I've made a decision, but like you have to make a decision, like make a decision from like the center of your soul, make a decision deep within you. Yeah. And you know that you are not going to stay where you are. Yes. That's the thing. You have to know that this is like, you are, you are going somewhere. You're changing something. Yes. I love that. I love that. Yes. So sorry, continue on with your, with your story. That's okay. <laughs> so that's how I managed to get out of accounting. I made the decision. I am done with this profession. I cannot sit here and do another month end. And I didn't know how, but I'm not joking. Within two weeks, there was a posting for someone with an accounting background to come and learn how to do software. You didn't have to know the software. You just had to have an accounting background. And I said to my friends, I said, I'm getting that. That is mine. And so said, so done. So that was how I managed to shift out of accounting and into systems. And it was very seamless. I didn't have any cut and pay or anything. And I enjoyed, it was a variety of work because it was projects. Nothing was the same. And that's what I need. I need constant change, something different to do, which is why I can't just be in something that is very monotonous. But then after you know years of, of doing that, you kind of realize that this is also taking control of your life because you're working on projects and you're being sent all over. I mean, you know, I'm sent to different provinces, different countries, you know, you can start to take a course and you got and you never finish because you got to leave town. And so Monday to Thursday, you're out of town. My neighbor used to joke when I bought my house, he used to joke that, well, you have expensive furniture storage because you're never here. <laughs> And it gets after a while, you know, that's great when you're young, but after a while, you get to the point where you want some stability and you want to have a life. You want to be, for me, it's about, I need to be in control of my life. And so I had to make a change for that as well. And so it was a question of how do I do that without starting over? And it was, I managed to just repackage my skills and do it on my own. And get paid better because <laughs> now I'm telling you what you're going to pay me. Right? Right. So it's all about making a decision, shifting your mindset, and looking at what do you have? What can you do with it? Who? 
who needs it and how can you get serve in the best way, but also get what you want out of it. So I worked four days a week because I hate Mondays. And I said, I'm not working on Mondays anymore. And I had my three-day weekends and my four-day weeks, and I made more money (laughs) than my five-day weeks. And I just thought, this is how I want to live. So it's a question of what do you want to do with your life? And it doesn't mean that you have to stay doing that. I didn't stay doing that because I got tired of that. I need to change. (laughs) Right. Right. But it's an illustration of how making a decision every single time takes you to the next place. Yeah. You have reinvented your life and your career several times along the way. So how do you like, you know, if if somebody listening right now is stuck in a job where they're like, this is like literally killing my soul day by day, minute by minute. Like, how do I even begin? Like, what's the first step that I need to take? to like start getting myself out of this? Because I think when you're in that cycle, it's hard to break it. Like it's hard to kind of take that first step. Yes. Well, like I said, the first step is to make that decision that you really do because you have to really want it. And what makes you really want it is because you are really fed up, (laughs) right? The more pain you're in, the more you're going to want to change. If it's something that, well, you know, I can tolerate this until I retire, then you don't really want it. But if it is, this thing is going to drive me nuts. If I stay here anymore, now you are motivated. And that decision is really made from deep within you because you're feeling that pain. So the first thing is really decide, I am not going to stay in this situation. I'm going to find a way out. Then the next thing that you have to look at is, what are all the things I can do? Because the issue with sitting in a job, especially if you've been in it for a number of years, is that you are looking at yourself the way your employer looks at you. You are looking at yourself as I do this job. This is who I am. But it's not. We are so many, so much more than that. And we have to stop putting those blinders on that our employers impose upon us. Just because I am doing accounting doesn't mean that I am, I am only an accountant. <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's the next thing you have to look at. The breadth of yourself, not just what you do at this moment. That is so true. And thank you for saying that because in my own experience, like when I decided to leave corporate, like I honestly didn't fully understand myself or know myself beyond the confines of this is what I do. This is my job title, right? And this is what I do. And I have, I figured out that there is so much more to me and what makes up me and what drives me than in that, the confines of that little box that I spent almost 30 years in. Exactly. To all of us, all of us are more multidimensional than our job title. So it's not really, you know, your employer's fault. They set the job, the job belongs to them, and they say, this is all we need. So they put the blinders. And unfortunately, too many of us impose those blinders on ourselves. I have never felt that that's all I could do, probably because I was always in a job that it didn't suit me. And I always felt like, ah, It's like a square peg in a round hole, you know, but when you start out doing what you went to school to do and blah, 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 if it fits you, you don't feel that way until you start to hit middle age and look around and think, oh, what else is there? (laughs) You know, that's so true because, you know, like I heard you say at the beginning, you know, you were talking about your father thought it would be a good idea for you to go, you know, into accounting. And I think so many of us like we just do what we think we're supposed to do without really checking in yes. to make sure that it actually aligns with us. 
right? Yes. Yes. Um, or even just to say, wait a minute, is this making me happy? Because yes. we're just on that treadmill and then we just get doing and doing and doing it. Like you said, until you all of a sudden you reach this point in your life where you're like, I literally can't take this one more minute, right? Yes. Because it doesn't fit who I am. But you don't yes. realize that. Yes. Yes. And I think as women, because we are always doing for others, we're doing for our family members. We kind of put ourselves second. I think that's why it's more applicable to women. Men do whatever they want. Nothing stops them, right? So we are always the ones who are, oh, well, you know, I'm going to wait. Or I'm going to wait until my child's in school. I'm going to wait until my child's in university. I'm going to wait until my child gets married. I'm like, you know, we're always putting something aside. And that is what I think builds up that frustration within us because we are constantly not doing what we want, not getting what we want out of life. And that's when we get to the point where we're like, okay, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> so do you, like, how do you encourage people to kind of look at like who they are outside of the confines of their job? Because again, if you've never done it, that can be like, well, I have no idea who I am. And then like, and that was, that was me. Like after a 30 year career, I had literally no idea who I was beyond my title. Really? Okay. Well, here's an interesting exercise. There are different names for it, but you basically look back on your life in terms of decades. So the first 10 years, the next 10 years till 20, the next 10 years till 30, et cetera. And write down everything that you have accomplished in each of those decades. Whether it's, I graduated from kindergarten <laughs> or I got a certificate for whatever, write everything down. Because we take a lot of things for granted about ourselves. And we think, oh, that's no big deal. But that every little thing adds up to who we are today. And it's a reminder that, yes, you have accomplished much in life. Because I think one of the reasons people feel stuck is because they feel like, well, you know, I really haven't done much. I really can't offer much, right? But to do that decade exercise. And if you're not sure, ask. Ask your friends and family, you know, what did I accomplish when I was, you know, between the ages of 11 and 20? Ask your friends and family what you're good at, because we never say what we're good at, but other people see it in us. So ask your friends and family, what do you think I'm really good at? And it could be anything. One of my friends, she said, you know, I don't really have anything that I'm, I'm good at. And her, her mother said, you know, when you were little, you were very good at running, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, you know, put it down. Everything is useful because it's also a way to get a sense of yourself, right? So write down all the things you accomplished, write down all the things that you learned, all the skills you acquired, whether you learn how to fish, to swim, whatever, put it all down. And also write down what your strengths are. And don't even think about your job. Just think about who you are. That's the first thing to kind of sitting back and realizing that, yes, you know what? I really do have a lot of value to offer. Because I think it, we don't understand that. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like, you know, we struggle with our, like as women, we struggle with the belief in ourselves because it's like you said, we're always putting ourselves last on our list, right? And even when we do have big accomplishments, we kind of, you know, write it off as, well, I just did what I had to do, right? Yes. Like it was just like, it was whatever, right? And we don't actually stop to say, wait a minute, I made that, I created that. Yes. And then on top of it, if you ever, like, if you're in your forties or fifties and you've ever like 
you know, experienced ageism or had a situation where, you know, maybe somebody made a comment about, you know, out to pasture or whatever, like we're constantly taking in kind of the societal norms about what it means to be a woman at this certain time of life. Yes. Right. And none of it is really positive. None of it is really uplifting. And so consciously and a lot unconsciously, we're taking on all this stuff. And so we're, you know, that's the filter through which everything is coming. And so, you know, like you might have 30 years of experience at something and then you're going to completely discount it because society says at age 50, you're not as relevant or as valuable as you used to be. That's right. That's right. But you know, when I was young, my father said something. He said, I'm sure he said it to all of us because I have many siblings. He said, do not let other people tell you what you cannot do. And to this day, I keep that because there are a lot of people who are going to say, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. Who wants you to fail at things? I don't care. At the end of the day, I decide what I'm going to do. And as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing I cannot do. There's only what I choose not to do. Right. So we have to bear in mind that what other people think has no relevance to what we want out of life. I love that quote. That's a quotable. That's a tweetable right there. It's like, what did you say? There's nothing that I cannot do. There's only what I choose not to do. Yeah. I love that. Like that is a deep sense of belief, right? In who you are. And, you know, I think for some of us, it's like steps to get there. Yes. Yes. I think after you have been ground down for, you know, decades as a corporate drone, you do lose your sense of, or you can lose your sense of self, your self-confidence. You start to doubt, especially when you hear all those messages that you, you mentioned, you know, you hit 40, 50, and it's like, start ordering your coffin, you know? <laughs> so if you take on other people's messages, then those people are in control of your life. At the end of the day, I want to be in control of my life. So I choose what messages I pay attention to and what messages I don't. There is, you listen to people because it's good to get feedback. But at the end of the day, if I have made up my mind, you know, that I am going to be an astronaut <laughs> or whatever, I can't let people say you can't be, right? Yeah, it might take me 15 years, but if that's what I really want, who are you to tell me no? You know, it's so interesting because like one of the things I discovered about myself, you know, was you know, after my corporate career, there's that I really love to write. Other than like doing a corporate strategy deck, I had never really written anything in my entire life, right? And when I started to like to, to follow this, like this nudge that like, okay, write stuff, like I found it, like I was really enjoying it. But in the back of my mind, there was this, when I was six years old, I had this teacher when I was still learning how to like physically write. Mm-hmm. Okay. This woman was so old, she taught my dad. Okay. That's <laughs> like... <laughs> And she used to like criticize my writing. And I'm not talking about writing as in conducting sentences. At that point, I was still like putting, you know, handwriting. And she used to tell me like this was ringing in my head that I'm a really bad writer. <laughs> and I hung on to that. Right. And like a totally different interpretation. But that was like this thing that was playing in my mind. And when I realized that, I was like, oh, my God, like for 55 years or whatever, 50 years, I've been like carrying around this message that I'm not a good writer. Yes. Like not even in the right context. Yes. But that's the type of stuff that ends up like somebody says something. Right. And I guess my writing wasn't so neat when I was, you know, <laughs> actually that teacher traumatized me in many ways. But anyway, um, she was a very, very old school, you know, wrap your knuckles with the ruler. Right. You know? right, like it, was, right. <laughs> it was in the Caribbean. Right. So it was very, very like old school. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, like those are the things like 
you know, the little pieces of information that we're soaking up all the way along. And then when we come to this place, and that's why we start like really doubting ourselves and downplaying our skills, because somebody somewhere along the way said, you're not good at, right? Yes. And my response to that is, forget about everybody else. Sit quietly in a corner and by yourself, decide without considering your children, your husband, your boss, your whoever's in your life. Sit and for yourself, decide what you want. Decide who you want to be. Decide what you want to do. Forget about the teacher who said you weren't good at it. Maybe you weren't good at it at six years old, but I think you're way past that age now. And perhaps you could be good at it. So think, put yourself in isolation when you make your decisions. Because once you start to bring everybody else in on the noise of other people's disempowering thinking, you're not going to go anywhere. So make your decisions in isolation and then consider others when you're looking at implementing them. Yeah, that is so true. So let's say now we have this, you know, this list of skills over the decades that we've created and we're now going, okay, well, this is lovely, but how do I now use, like, how do I repurpose these? Like, how do I use it? Like, what am I using it for? How do you guide people to, through those questions? So the easiest way I think to make income in a way that is fulfilling is to do what you're good at. We all have lots of skills. We all have things that we're able to do, but why do what we struggle with, right? I could have sat in accounting and I was an okay accountant, but I was just okay. I didn't, I didn't wake up in the morning thinking, oh my God, I'm going to do debits and credits today, <laughs> right? So think of on that long list of things and with input from people who know you, what is it you're really good at? And that could be anything. Somebody might say, you know what, you're just artsy-minded, and that could be multiple things. Does that mean you can draw? Does that mean you can design? Does that... So you're a creative type, you know, somebody may be more of a logical thinker, a planner or whatever. So you can take assessment courses that tell you basic guidelines, but I don't like to go by those fully because I feel that they can be limiting. Then the, the thing is, from what you are good at, what do you really enjoy doing? What if you were sitting on your desk job today, what are you daydreaming about, right? Where would you prefer to be? What would you prefer to be doing? Because that's the thing that you're really interested in. And then see how you can marry that with what you're good at. Yeah, that's really interesting because, and I think the thing is like the other part of that I would add is like, what do you want from your life? Like, is it like, what's the most important thing to you? Is it freedom? Is it money? Is it, you know, time to spend with your family? Like, what is it? Right. And then the other layer of that is, is like, go inside for a minute and like tap into that really inner deep part of you. Like, what's that thing that maybe you dream about, right? That you're like, you immediately dismiss because it's like, well, I can't, we say, I don't have time. I can't make money. People will laugh at me, like all of those things, right? And then I think somewhere in like, you know, between the list of your skills, you know, what you're good at, what you want from your life. And then this thing that you're feeling, feeling called to like somewhere in the intersection of all of those things is the thing. That's right. And again, we're not even thinking about making money. We're just thinking about an activity. What is it that you want to do? Figure out the money later. But what is the direction? Because there's a million ways to make money with anything. Hmm. Just go on YouTube. There's a little boy on YouTube who makes a million, a million plus, I think it was $10 million last time, just opening toys. 
and he's really good at it. <laughs> I mean, his excitement, his, you know, his family is set for life. So don't think that, oh, you know, I can't make money. You can make money from anything. But the main thing is the way I look at it, it can't be something that I start today and I, I don't want to do tomorrow. This has to be something you're going to be happy to do for five years, 10 years, mm. right? Not a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. So it has to be something that you, you have an innate ability to do and an interest in. Because if you don't have both, if it doesn't meet both criteria, you're going to get fed up. Or when the going gets tough, you're going to give up. Because the yeah. going does get yeah. tough, as we both know. <laughs> well, and I think the other part of that is like, don't be afraid to pivot. So you, if you start down a road, right, and you're like, ooh, this is not what I thought it was, right? And exactly. I'm not loving this. It's like, okay, yeah. how can I now adjust this thing? Like, what do exactly. I love? What do I not love? Because all of that, so so much of what keeps us stuck is if we're afraid to fail at something. Yes, right? everything's and- fluid. In my mind, there's no such thing as failure. There's only learning, right? So if no. you go down a path and you're like, whoa, this is totally not what I thought it was and I absolutely hate it. Okay, yeah. check mark. You now know what you don't want. And exactly. you can now you're getting closer to honing in on the thing that actually does feel good to you. Yes, you can always chop and change. But when you start with what you know you're going to enjoy doing as opposed to something that, well, yeah, you know, I've been doing this for a living, so I'm just going to stay doing that. no. It has to be a joy within you because that's what's going to make you get up and chase it and pursue it. And so that even when you come to a dead end, when you think, okay, oh, I didn't realize this was going to happen. You're still going to get around it. You're going to find a way because it's what you are really, it's what you're driven to do. And these are the things that I like to say you were born to do. Right. Yeah. I love that you say that because like, I honestly, like in my second chapter, and I think there might be a couple more chapters in here, but in my second chapter, I actually feel like I was born for this, like for the podcast, for building the community, you know, for, you know, serving women the way that I do in terms of helping them, you know, chase their dreams and, you know, create things that they never thought possible. Right. That feels so aligned with who I am as a person, but had you told me that 10 years ago, I had been yeah. like, uh, yeah, probably not. Nope. Nope. Because that's not how I saw myself. And I think, you know, we have to let go of what we think we are right. So that we can become who we actually are. Yeah. We have to start seeing ourselves for who we are, not for what our job says we are. Yeah. We have to get out of the job mentality when you're looking at yourself. It's a whole different paradigm, you know, and it's not like you're stuck doing one thing. You can have multiple sources of income. Nobody says you have to do only one thing. I do more than one thing, right? Yeah. And that's the flexibility. When you're in a job, you just have to do that. But when you can figure out your own stuff, you see something, you go, oh, I'm interested in that. I'm going to pursue that. So, so I think you have to always remember not to limit yourself. So I know from our previous conversations that you, you have multiple things that you are doing around generating income for yourself. Right. Like, so what are like, share with our listeners, like, what are some of those things that, that you're doing? So three things. One of the things that I happened on after I got fed up with so many different jobs, I learned to trade the stock market and people will say, oh, well, you know, a lot of people say this to me. Well, you know, you used to be an accountant, so that's easy for you. Well, here's a newsflash. You don't need to know any accounting to trade the stock market. All you need to do is to be able to recognize patterns. When you see a chart and it's doing this. What's the pattern? That's all it is. Anybody can do it. The people that I learned from were from all walks of life. I learned from a guy who was a policeman. Okay. So that's one thing. And I get a lot of joy out of that. I 
wake up in the morning and the first thing I check is what are the futures? What's the market doing today? Because I'm looking forward to another day on the market. Uh, the other thing I do is I have packaged my experience in accounting and systems to do consulting, right? That puts the two of them together, but the way I want to do it, not a job. And I decide when I'm going to work, which project I'm going to do <laughs> or not do. And you're going to pay me how much I tell you you're going to pay me. So I don't have to worry about a gender pay gap. And then the mentoring is the third thing. It's the newest thing. So I think that we should not limit ourselves. We have so much that we can offer. And you can take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and make something. And then take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and make something else. It's all about opening your eyes to a breadth of things as opposed to constantly narrowing yourself and limiting yourself. Yeah. I mean, we live in a culture that loves to put people in boxes, right? Yeah, like, and you know, and this is, in a box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is, this is how I see you. And it's only this when the reality is, like you said, we're multidimensional and there could yeah. be many different avenues that we explore. Maybe one is for income. One is for your passion. One is just pure fun, right? Like, but I think what you just said about not limiting ourselves is so critically important because yeah. it, it, like, I talk about a lot about becoming your most authentic self, right? And your most authentic self is not one dimensional, is not meant for one mm -hmm. thing, right? And it's about exploring all the things. Yes, yes. And I also look at it this way. We're not born with a job. We're born as who we are. Yeah. A job is just something we do for a finite period of time. Yeah. But because people spend so much time in them, if you're miserable at work, it tends to affect your life, right? Yeah. So you always have to think this is not who I am. This is just what I do for a living. But that doesn't mean that that's all I can do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important in terms of redefining. And I, I think slowly, but surely, even in the corporate world, things are shifting a little bit, although it's got a long road to go. But, you know, like, you know, people like uh, corporations financing extracurricular courses and things like that, like recognizing that people have lives outside of, you know, their nine to five. So we are starting to see that shift, but that's a long way, long way it's off, a, I it's think. It's a long way, but I, I think that the corporate world does not cater for women or the way that women live our lives yeah. like it does to men. And that's why I think it is more, the onus is on us to look after ourselves and to be more in control of our income. Because as I mentioned, we're always on the wrong end of the stick financially. You add a life crisis, you know, like divorce or something, and it's even worse. So we, there are special considerations, I think, for women that put the onus on us to look after ourselves a little bit differently from what the corporate world offers. Yeah. And I saw a study a little while ago, and I think you and I might've talked about this, where it said that women are 80% more likely to be impoverished in retirement than men for yes. all of the reasons that you mentioned. So first of all, you know, we're less likely to negotiate our salary starting off. So we start below, you know, they talked about being penalized with the mommy tax. So yeah. for pregnancy and taking time off work, where conversely, men are actually paid what they call the daddy premium. Like they actually earned more because they were <laughs> family men. Yes. And then, you know, women, you know, the length of their time in their careers was significantly less. Like women reached their highest peak of earnings at age 44. Men reached their highest peak at age 55. And their peak was a whole 40% higher. And yeah. so constantly along the way, we are just like behind the eight ball. And so 
the work that you do in terms of putting women in control of their income is so critically important because I, you know, talk to women all the time who are like, okay, I want to reinvent my life and I want to, you know, go do this thing, but I'm right now I'm struggling to put a roof over my head. Yes. And like, to me, that's like horror of all horrors, right? Like that we don't have that opportunity because we have largely like not made decisions. We've just kind of gone with the flow of things mm-hmm. and the flow of things, like you said, is just not bent in our favor. It's just, no, it's not, it's not. And then even when we do retire with a lower retirement income, we live longer. <laughs> so we right. need more money. <laughs> and then, like you said, add in illness, death, divorce. Yeah. Like, yeah. you yeah. know, we're, we're yeah. really, so you know, part of my mission is really about empowering, you know, like, like you are just empowering women to be able to create whatever it is that they want to create to give them that control. And especially in this chapter of life, because it's so critically, critically important for us. Yes. And my attitude also is, if not in this chapter, when, you know, you are at a stage where you have all this breadth of experience, life experience, surely you have something to contribute. If you think you don't, you have to think again, (laughs) okay? And you really have to sit down and say, okay, I'm at this chapter. I have so many years left. Here's how to make your decision easy. When you get to the end of your life, what are you going to regret? And I always tell my friends, I'm not going to regret that I didn't clean the house more. I'm going to regret that I didn't do the things I wanted to do. So there's your decision for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I talk all the time about, you know, having second and third chapters, but like, when you think about how fast the last 20 years has gone by, like the next 20 years apparently goes even faster. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. in five years, I'll probably be doing something different yeah. because, you know, you, things evolve, the world evolves. I mean, we're talking about recession and depression and all kinds of things. Who knows what life is going to be like in five years? Yeah. Right? So that's the thing. You need to remain flexible. But be- once you're out of the employment mindset and you're looking around, you see opportunity. When you're working, you don't because you're just focused on this job. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the other thing, part of it too, what keeps us a little bit stuck is, you know, as our human brain naturally goes to the, you know, the unknown is worse than the known. Even if I really hate the known, the unknown is going to be worse. When the reality is, is that the unknown has just an equal chance of being even better. It does. But, But that's like the mechanism, like that is the safety mechanism of our brain. And as long as we can see it for what it is and be like, oh, okay, yes, I see your brain trying to keep me safe, but I'm going to take this step forward. And I always tell like all of my clients is, you know, you can hack that a little bit by taking the tiniest step you can think of in the direction that you want to go. Like it yeah, doesn't yeah. need to be all or nothing. It doesn't need to be major leaps and bounds in a direction. It's That's like, right. if I'm interested in something, maybe it's go read an article, right? Yes. And then yes. the next day, you know, go do something else. Like I have this sign behind me that says no zero days. So when I have a goal or something that I'm working towards, I have to be able to check the box that I did something towards that goal every day. Some days yeah. those are teeny tiny, weedy little steps and other days they're giant leaps. Yes. And nobody's saying to just quit your job and go, you know, run off to something. You can do two things at once. We are accustomed to being multitasking. When I learned to trade the stock market, I had a job. I had to sit there after work and do my lesson because I had to get on calls. And instead of sitting in traffic, I thought, you know what, wait until the traffic is down, use that time to do my work so that when I go home, I'm sailing and I'm done. So there are ways you can fit things in and you can start, as you see, baby steps while you're sitting in a job. 
But there's nothing more satisfying than knowing you're sitting in that job and knowing that one day you're not going to be there. (laughs) That is so true. So what would you say is the greatest challenge that we as midlife women face in this dilemma about the what's next? I think it's confidence. In my experience, when I talk to to women, is they don't think they can do. There's this, I don't know what it is. Maybe, as you say, it's that teacher who, who put it in your head or something, but they don't feel the first thing is, well, what the hell would I do? I don't have any thing that I could offer. I don't have any skills. I, I don't, I don't, I don't is what I, is what I hear. And I think that once you do that exercise, once you start hearing from other people, it takes people through an exercise where we actually go through a five part inventory. And one of the things you have to do is ask the people who know you. And they're always surprised at what people say they're good at. You know, they're surprised and they're moved sometimes. Because it's this thing that they wanted to do forever that they've forgotten about because they didn't think they could do it. So I think confidence is the biggest thing. We can be very confident at work. For some reason, when it comes to outside of that, about doing something on your own, for some reason, we don't have it. So confidence is a big big thing that I work with. Yeah, I can totally relate. And did did because I definitely experienced that like when I was sitting there going okay this is the end of my life like what next kind of thing like that finding that confidence like I had to do a bit of work like did you struggle with that as well no because my attitude is yes I can do this but I can do better than this and I'm gonna go find something better (laughs) amazing amazing so thank you for this conversation where can people find out more about your services you know if there's somebody right now who's sitting in a soul-sucking job and it's like okay i just need some help and direction to get out of it where can people find you you can go to my website at incomeideaincubator.com and i will give you some links uh, for some gifts for your audience to help them get started with that first step you can also find me on linkedin and there's not a lot of people with my name so i'm sure you'll find me <laughs> Okay, perfect. So we'll make sure that we get all of that in the show notes. So anybody listening, if you are dreading going to work tomorrow or on Monday, and you know that there's something more that you want for your career, then Catherine Birchwood is the woman to talk to and make sure that you check her out. So thank you, Catherine. I really appreciate you spending this time with us today. Thanks. I enjoyed our chat and I knew we would have a good chat. I knew we would have a good chat too. So to my listeners, thank you for tuning in again today. If you liked what you heard, we would really appreciate giving it a rating or review or even better, pass this along to a friend that you think would get something out of it. So until next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.